seconds flat. Give me up. This is the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. He's been broken three times. He refuses to give in. He might do it. Look at that guy. Look at Black Zero. Oh, my God. Hi again, friends, and welcome to Mile 122 of the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. We're so happy to have you back with us. The biggest track and field meet of the year starts this week in Eugene, Oregon, as the World Championships come to the United States for the first time ever. Hosting events like this was the impetus behind all that Phil Knight Nike money getting poured into renovations at historic Hayward Field on the Oregon campus. On this episode, we're preparing you for all the competition for what is truly a once-in-a-lifetime event on American soil. Typically held on odd years between the Olympic Games, the 18th World Athletics Championships fall in an even year due to the Tokyo Olympic postponement from 2020 to 2021 during the COVID pandemic. In addition to being the first world championships held in the United States, this is only the second time it's been in the Western Hemisphere, joining the 2001 Edmonton, Alberta, Canada championships. This event has a peculiar history as its first two iterations were small-scale endeavors held in the Olympic years of 1976 and 1980. In fact, the first World Championships hosted only a single event, the men's 50-kilometer racewalk. This was a direct response to that event being removed from the Olympic program for the Montreal Games earlier that summer. But in 1983 at Helsinki, Finland, the modern format began. Rome in 1987 and Tokyo in 1991 followed. Then, as the Olympic format changed with the summer and winter games moving off the same calendar year and onto a two-year alternating rotation, the International Association of Athletics Federations filled the gap in each odd year by holding the World Athletics Championships every two years, as we now know it, rather than just once every four years. We'll see it next at Budapest in August 2023. As you can tell from the names of the cities I listed, we're used to watching the world championships from some of the biggest mega cities in the world and at some of the largest stadiums. Eugene, Oregon, with a population of only around 170,000, is a college town that might not fit that historic mold, but the new Hayward Field is truly world class and designed for an event just like this. With that said, many of the stadiums that have held the previous events have been much larger, and Eugene did have some trouble at the recent U.S. Championships and NCAA Championships filling the stadium. So that will be one of the questions of the next two weeks. Hopefully we see large, raucous crowds inside Hayward Field. 
The United States topped the medal count at 13 of the previous 17 world champs, followed by two wins for the now defunct and consolidated East Germany, and one each for Russia and Kenya. Our all-time gold medal tally nearly triples second place Kenya. Russia, Germany, and Jamaica round out the top five. Symbolic of the globalization of track and field and its beauty as a font of cooperative competition, 70 nations have won at least one gold and 102 have medaled. No athlete has more world champs medals than American sprinter Allison Felix. Appearing in every championships since she was a teenage tenderfoot phenom in 2003, Felix owns 13 golds and a whopping 18 total medals. She'll get one last shot at number 19 in Eugene. Despite not making it individually in the 400 meters, Team USA added Felix to its relay pool. Felix's most dominant male counterpart is the incomparable Usain Bolt. Jamaica's legendary sprinter claimed 11 world championships golds and famously broke both the 100 and 200 meter world records at the 2009 meet in Berlin. In running 9.58 and 19.19 seconds in those two events respectively, Bolt put on one of the greatest performances in track and field history, on par with Jesse Owens at the 36 Olympics, Emil Zatopek in 52, Wilma Rudolph at Rome 1960, or Mo Farah in front of his home crowd in 2012. It was truly one of those performances where you remember where you were watching Bolt scorch the track. For perspective, consider that Bolt's own previous world record for 100 meters was 9.69 seconds. His improvement of 11 hundredths of a second was the largest jump of the electronic timing era, which is now close to 50 years old, and equaled the amount the record was improved by the previous seven men combined. In some eight athletes have double-digit world champs medals. Felix is joined by three Jamaican women, Merlene Adi, Shelley Ann Fraser-Price, and Veronica Campbell-Brown. And three American men follow close behind Bolt, LaShawn Merritt, Carl Lewis, and Justin Gatlin. We have 49 events spread over a week plus of action from July 15th through July 24th. So how can you watch? NBC Properties will broadcast over 40 hours of competition on television, and all of that action and more also will be streamed on NBCSports.com and the Peacock app. With only a couple exceptions, all of the televised coverage will be live. So here's a rundown of what you can see each day. On opening night, USA Network has three hours of action from 8 to 11 Eastern including the opening heats of the men's 100-meter dash. NBC anchors the weekend coverage with afternoon and evening blocks on both the 16th and 17th, featuring finals in the women's 10,000 and men's 100 on Saturday. 
and men's 10,000, women's 100, men's 110 hurdles, and men's shot put on Sunday. CNBC supplements coverage both days with heats and semis, and also has the men's marathon Sunday morning at 9 Eastern. All of the weekday TV coverage is on USA Network. That kicks off with the women's marathon on Monday morning and continues with finals in the men's 400 hurdles and 1500 on Tuesday, women's steeplechase Wednesday, 200s Thursday, and 400s and women's 400 hurdles on Friday. NBC brings it home on the final weekend, spotlighting the 800-meter finals, women's 100 hurdles, and the great spectacle that closes every meet, the 4x400-meter relays. Meanwhile, the multi-events, race walks, and untelevised preliminary rounds will get full coverage on the Peacock and NBC Sports streams. So we have this spread over the entire NBC portfolio with action on NBC, CNBC, USA, NBCSports.com, and the Peacock app so you can catch it all. Now that's a ton of action, and while diehard track and field enthusiasts like myself consider it all a must-see celebration of our sport, what are the biggest events you need to carve out time for in your busy schedule? I have an elite eight of can't-miss competitions that you should find time to watch, or at the very least, cover your ears and ignore your Twitter feed and the scroll on the bottom of ESPN until you can watch the replay online. Let's prepare you for the big stories from those eight events. First, 32 world records have been set at the World Championships. The last was America's Dalila Muhammad's time of 52.16 seconds in the women's 400-meter hurdles at Doha 2019. I'll go ahead out on a limb and predict the next world record to fall happens in the same event. The three best hurdlers in the world, and perhaps the three greatest ever, all will be at Hayward Field. American City McLaughlin and the Netherlands Femke Bowl join Muhammad in the most anticipated race of the championships. Sid the Kid is the current world record holder, and she bested her own mark with a 51.41 at the U.S. Champs in Eugene just two weeks ago. Mohammed's top time of 51.58 is now the second fastest ever, and Bowl owns both the European and Diamond League records as well as the 300-meter hurdles world record. These are the three fastest women in history for this event. You'll see the final on Friday evening, July 22nd, and assuming all three advance through the rounds, the high-level competition could yield a historic race. Speaking of world records in jeopardy, no current athlete dominates the record book more thoroughly than U.S. thrower Ryan Krauser. The shot put world record holder and possessor of the four longest throws in history is a majestic mix of sheer force and technical mastery. The footwork in his spin blends elite NFL offensive tackle 
with Lionel Messi traversing the pitch with the soccer ball seemingly on a string. Imagine heaving a 16-pound sphere over 76 feet in the air. In any other era, Joe Kovacs, Krauser's closest competitor, would be an American weight throw icon as a two-time world champ. But his best mark only matches Krauser's eighth farthest fling. Every attempt from Krauser makes one question if the sector is big enough to hold his throw. And watching peak Krauser might be the closest thing to athletic perfection a track and field fan ever witnesses. Every time he releases the shot, a breathtaking moment ensues as I watch in awe and wonder if the implement will travel farther than ever before accomplished in this ancient event. Yet the two-time defending Olympic champion has one big hole in an otherwise impeccable resume. He lacks world championships gold. On Sunday evening, July 17th, we'll have the opportunity to watch Ryan Krauser pursue the one accolade that has eluded him thus far in his career. What better place for the Oregon native to submit his legacy than at home in Eugene? A few weeks ago, the men's 200 seemed like an exciting field, but not one I would put quite this high on my list. Then Noah Lyles and Arian Knighton had an epic showdown at the U.S. Championships. Only 18 years old, Knighton has drawn comparisons to Usain Bolt for his height, length, and similar times at comparable ages, including breaking Bolt's junior's world record. He went into the U.S. final as a favorite off dominating performances and a PR now faster than Lyles. Coming off the curve at 100 meters, it appeared the 2019 world champ Lyles, who has struggled in a number of recent races, might pass the torch to Knighton. Then Noah Lyles reminded the sports world that he is a bad man. Finding another gear, he edged Knighton and in doing so pointed across Knighton to the clock while breaking the tape. Brash, but always honest and likable. Lyles continued the show in his post-race interview with Lewis Johnson, telling Johnson, I saw him reach his top speed and I said, mine's faster. Knighton stood next to him, disappointed, and simply told Johnson, job's not finished, it's never finished. While other competitors will have something to say about finishing the job and winning gold at the World Championship, Lyles and Knighton are favorites, and the 200 final on Thursday, July 21st, feels like a potential duel for the ages. A few episodes ago, we mentioned the insane U.S. depth in the 110-meter hurdles. American men are so good in this event that just weeks after running the third fastest time in world history, Oregon's own Devin Allen finished third at the U.S. champs and nearly missed the team. Since reigning world champ Grant Holloway had a bye, the United States brings a contingent of four elite hurdlers, Holloway, Allen, NCAA champ Trey Cunningham, and Daniel Roberts. They are the four top-ranked men in the world this year. At least one will not medal. And I haven't even mentioned Jamaican Hansel Parchment. He struck gold in Tokyo last year 
and is in the midst of an undefeated season. Catch the heats of the 110 hurdles on the meets for Saturday and the finals the next day, Sunday the 17th. Like the men's 200 and 110 hurdles, the women's 800 meters got a lot more interesting at the U.S. championships two weeks ago. Athing Mo looked untouchable on her meteoric rise from teen prodigy to American record holder and Olympic champion in Tokyo. She admitted the blazing fast world record of 1 minute and 53.28 seconds is in her crosshairs. Her front-running style elicits memories of David Rudisha's epic performance at London 2012. But just as Mo seemed poised to separate herself from the rest of the field, Aji Wilson reminded us she is a multi-time U.S. champ still in her prime. With a strong move over the, over the final 200 meters, Wilson passed Mo and briefly took the lead on the final straight before Mo edged back into the lead, holding on for victory. While she's still the race favorite, Wilson's challenge removed the aura of invincibility. And two other countries will send young stars to Eugene as well. Britt Keeley Hodgkinson won silver as a teenager in Tokyo just behind Mo, and former world junior champ Mary Mora of Kenya recently upset Hodgkinson in a Diamond League tune-up. This lightning-fast field of half-milers will compete in one of the week's final events on Sunday evening, July 24th. I'll combine the men's 1,500 and 5,000 for the sixth and seventh events on our list. Both events have exciting entry lists and, more importantly, a common thread. Everyone loves the chase for double gold especially in the distance events, where it's more challenging than the sprints. Jakob Ingebrigtsen, the world's preeminent mid-distance runner and defending Olympic 1500 champ, hopes to join an elite club with a distance double. He'll be a heavy favorite in the metric mile after clocking a 346.46 mile at the Bislett Games Dream Mile in June, narrowly missing Steve Cram's European record. But Australian star Ollie Hoare of the Boulder-based On Athletics Club set a national record in that same race and tightened the gap with Ingebrigtsen. The 5K should be the greater challenge for the Norwegian. This field is so quick and so deep. Both Joshua Cheptegei, he of the 12.35-5,000 and 26.11, 10,000 world records, and Salomon Barrega are gold medalists. Plus, American champ Grant Fisher is in both the 5 and 10. He's fresh off an absolutely commanding performance on this track two weeks ago and an American indoor 5,000 record of 12 minutes and 53 seconds. It'll be fun to see if Fisher can enter the medal mix. Finally, you know our bias toward the long-distance events, and you know Eugene, Oregon is the home of so many distance-running stars. The men's marathon might be a last best shot at a global medal for the greatest and most discussed American marathoner of this generation, Galen Rupp, and he has the occasion 
to run in the city where he won national titles as a collegiate. Rupp is a four-time Olympian where he has earned two medals, five-time finalist in the World Champs 10,000 with the highest finish of fourth, and three-time finalist in the World Champs 5,000 with a best finish of fifth. All of that buttresses a career chock full of national titles and a 206 marathon PR. Rupp struggled with an SI joint issue earlier this year at the 15K Road Champs and New York City Half Marathon. We haven't seen him compete since. And given his notorious silence in the media, it's hard to know if he enters the race fully healthy. Although there's still time for a possible podium finish at a major or another American record attempt, Rupp long ago circled the Eugene World Champs Marathon as a target race. Hopefully we see him in medal contention late race. Plus, we have deep teams in both the men's and women's marathons. Elkanah Cabet and mileage hog Colin McCow join Rupp, while Emma Bates, Kira D'Amato, and Sarah Hall form the women's trio. Even without Molly Seidel due to injury, this might be a historically strong women's contingent. Thankfully, given the potential for hot conditions, the marathons are morning races, airing at 9 a.m. Eastern on Sunday and Monday. But we've seen Rupp perform well in warm conditions. His marathon bronze at the 2016 Rio Olympics came with 75-degree temps at the gun and light rain, followed by oppressive humidity building through the race. Also, we want to send our best to friend of the show, Eddie Garcia, who will be competing in the World Champs Marathon. I'll throw in one more bonus event because only choosing eight isn't enough. To join the women's 400 hurdles, men's shot put, men's 200 meters, men's 110 meter hurdles, women's 800, men's 1500 and 5000, and the marathons. I'll add in the pole vault. We have local ties and a world record watch in these events. Greenville's own Sandy Morris enters as the U.S. women's champ with an indoor gold in her collection. Can she add outdoor world champs gold to her resume of multiple silvers? Plus the Ragin' Cajun. Mondo Duplantis recently broke his own world record with a leap of 20 feet, two and a half inches. Duplantis' father was an American pole vaulter and his mother a Swedish heptathlete, and he has chosen to represent Sweden. Like in the women's 400 hurdles, this looks like a great chance to see another world record fall. There you have it. World champs, Eugene, July 15 through 24. Before we wrap, I want to thank everyone for the feedback from last week's Summer of Hills episode. I saw some really fun comments on Strava and got a few great questions via email. If you haven't already listened, go back and check it out. Hopefully you'll find some advice that helps you grow and improve in your build toward a next big race. We'll be back soon bringing you some fun interviews. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Take in all the excitement at the World Championships, and we will see you next time right here.
on Seconds Flat. Have a great week.